Hello and welcome to Dungeoneer, a podcast dedicated to discussing Dungeons and Dragons. I'm Aaron. And I'm Josh. Let's do it. So Josh, you were telling me a little bit yesterday that you wanted to do some lukewarm open action, and so I just agreed to let you kind of take over the lukewarm action, uh, lukewarm open for this episode. So uh, I, you talked a little bit about what you wanted to talk about, but what, 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 what do we got going on for it today? Okay, before I go into this, though, I just gotta say, we have been talking for like 40 minutes before we started recording. The moment we pressed record, all of the audio went crackly <laughs> and bad. And that just it, irritates the heck out of me right now. Oh, no, I hope it's not anything that's actually with me or anything, because it's not for me. I don't know. But my idea for the the lukewarm open was related to a monster that we faced in your game yesterday. Not even faced, but more just interacted with. Could you go yeah. into details on who slash what is this creature and what we saw yesterday? Um, okay, do you So my question with that would be, do you want me to like describe what they are? Do you want me to like like what do you because i i don't want to like a give you spoilers for the game because yeah <laughs> he is somewhat i mean they're somewhat an important figure i mean as important as i mean we're gonna be, kill but... him next session so as important as that could be <laughs> yeah um i'm actually though before you go i'm actually a little bit more interested in your perspective and what you like like what you pictured him as Okay. I'm a little bit more interested in that, actually. So it's this darkness that seemed to be... Um, so I'm just going to start from what I believe its origin is. Yeah, do it. This guy created this evil darkness monster. Like, this, like the fog from Lost. That <laughs> Okay, that's, that's a good... That's a pretty good description. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And um, what... And it, it, he created it in this Dwarven Fortress because he wanted, one, these things that were in the Dwarven Fortress, specifically this, like, gem crystal thing, to be protected and to kill all the dwarves. He didn't really need the second thing done, but he knew that this creature would get it done. It was this kind of fog creature that kind of, as it, it, it kind of, as it killed, it seemed to grow in power, I'm assuming. Because it seemed to have almost like it's pulling its power from the dead bodies around. Um, he, it seems like he did some sort of an evil ritual, killing these some of these dwarves to create it in the first place. But that was all so long ago, we don't have any proof of that. Um, eventually, some dwarves escaped, and they created this like protective barrier. But the only way they could do that is by creating this like curse to kind of bind someone's power or someone's soul really to preventing this thing from escaping. Is that, am I on the right track? Wrong yeah, track? No, that's, that's pretty much, that's pretty much exactly kind of what happened. So, okay. Um, from so, DM's perspective, but um, I, I'll just say, so we originally just saw this like huge, huge, huge black mass just at the gates of this thing, unable to get out. And as we kind of have explored through this this citadel, this Dwarven Citadel, like we're slowly parting the darkness. And it's this really creepy environment. And all of it is this creature. But sorry, yeah, now you can get to all over the walls. It's kind of like covered the floors. Um <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um So what's your you, guys you were gonna go into the from the DM side? Well, I wanted to also like as you guys got closer, you did figure out like when you met it it was kind of like this um humanoid octopus figure where like the bottom half of his body was like shadow so it's like this darkness so it's a regular like mm -hmm. humanoid like torso connected to this like shadow um yeah i saw that more as it uh, from from a player's perspective it seemed more like the fog could coalesce into a humanoid shape to kind of converse with us it can for sure. Um, yeah. So I didn't the, see that as its true form, but it might be. But I didn't. I didn't right, realize no. that. Yeah. I mean, it 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 has that as part of its form because it was mm. created that way. Um, okay. But yeah. But from a DM's perspective, um, pretty much you got. I mean, pretty much all of it right. Is essentially what happened was is 
thousands and thousands of years ago, um, this man named Serrano, which, <laughs> um, you know, you guys were able to figure out because of the curse. But essentially what mm-hmm. happens is this guy named Serrano comes to this fortress, this dwarven kingdom called the Cinder Domain. Um, so they they reside under a giant volcano called uh, the Cinder Peak. And um, they use the volcano to forge and create all sorts of interesting um, items, uh, you know, swords, weapons, armor, that kind of stuff. And um, Serrano comes to the fortress and essentially decides, hey, I need um, either A, you guys to cooperate with me and produce things for me in order for me to take my kingdom, Mm -hmm. or B... Uh, I need your bodies for, <laughs> for, as you know from throughout this uh, campaign, his kind of like weird monsters he likes to create, um, mm-hmm. or at the very least that he surrounded surrounds himself with. Yeah. Um, and so the best way for him to do such a thing is he can't go to like a normal city above ground because if he does that, then people are immediately going to get angry. You know, like the world is going to see this kind of atrocity and this, you know, humanitarian crisis and immediately react. So he decides instead to go underground. So he goes to the cinder dwarves. He bargains with them in a way, bargains with the cinder king and essentially tricks them. So this is just kind of, you can all figure this out in by talking to the cinder king. So this is why I'm even saying it because you're probably going to learn it next session. Anyway, yeah, we're going to figure out next next session. Yeah, yeah. Um, he bargains with the cinder king and essentially tricks him and backstabs him. Um, and by doing that, he sacrifices the uh, the not the so the current cinder king that he bargained with. He essentially sacrificed him and turned him into this monster. And he this monster killed and destroyed the all the dwarves that were mm-hmm. within the cinder fortress um and with that this beast grew more powerful and more powerful and his entire purpose which he told you was to guard this chamber was to like protect this chamber from anyone mm-hmm. who's trying to destroy it um which i don't know if you guys if you guys learned anything about that or not but um that was his entire purpose of creating that monster. And then he took many of the bodies and, you know, the people of the civilization and turned them into his essential little army. Um, so mm. that's kind of what he did with them. Um, yeah. So from the DM perspective, what I was hoping to accomplish was the curse is what's holding back this creature from leaving the fortress. It's essentially the dwarves way of, preventing it from destroying as much of the underdark as you know at least from their perspective would be like you know all of it so they cursed their king their own cinder king they cursed him and essentially used his soul and his command to seal this monster away stuck within the citadel Mm -hmm. you guys obviously having read all these messages that are like hey you know this place is left in darkness it's destroyed it's a ruin go in at your own peril type thing you know, obviously made your way all the way through and to this place and fought the Cinder King to release his curse. And whoever kills the Cinder King um, or challenges him to a duel becomes the next Cinder King and is able to command and control the curse in a way. So the curse is never lifted or broken, but they're able to like command and control. And so Mm -hmm. um, only to how strong their will is. And so as you guys killed the cinder king and Azrael became the new cinder king um you're able to like as you walk through this you know these hallways of darkness you're able to like move the darkness using your will and your command power and that's what Azrael did and you guys are able to you know go through see all the different cinder kings see the auditoriums and it's like you know whole citadel and fortress Mm -hmm. um and then you guys came to the final room where you met this figure named Zendar and his name is Zendar. And he told you a bunch of information about the gods and, um, you know, his perspective on, yeah. you know, so the reason why I, the reason why I said we should do this, uh, I would like to talk about this as a lukewarm open is because I got inspired by this creature. Heck yeah. 
Like, I am for sure putting it into my next campaign. Not my current one, yeah. but my next one. But what I'm going to do... So the way I saw this creature, this creature of shadow that had a physical form and was creepy and weird and kind of... The kind of way that it clung to the walls and kind of made exploration yeah. harder. And and I, I, just, I just loved this kind of weird, creepy atmosphere that it was creating. And I was like, you know... Yeah. I kind of want to have a creepy shadow monster in my in my yeah. campaign. Yeah. <laughs> and I want it to start really as as something simple and something that the party can meet and talk with and but become something terrible and horrifying. So what it what it's going to start I this is I did a whole write up on this just so I was like got my my basic idea down because yeah. Yeah. I was just inspired. So in my campaign the way I was I would change it and alter it is how it was created is a, a a destroyed a city underground that was completely decimated by another civilization. Everyone who died in the city had a just hatred and want for revenge against these people. That it kind of this kind of uh, dark emotions kind of uh, called to powers of this high magic setting and kind of yeah. created this monstrosity this this shadow being and originally the party would explore this underground ruined city finding this creature not seeing it as hostile and will most likely leave it alive leave it leave it alone later on in the campaign they're going to see it out and about in the just the upper world the the main level of the plane as one of the one of my favorite high CR monsters, a Nightwalker. Now I'm just gonna read yeah. the Nightwalker's stat block. I mean not stat block, um basic description from the Forgotten Realms wiki. A Nightwalker was a type of nightshade, a sentient undead monster from the plane of shadow, also known as the Shadowfell. It was unnatural and malicious, and it took delight in the corruption and suffering of others. It was a creature of both death and shadows and had enormous powers over darkness. Now, these creatures typically are... There's not a huge amount of personality to them. And I kind of wanted to change that with this creature so they would meet them, become almost not even friends, but just, like, not enemies with them early on in the campaign. Yeah. No, and this totally. thing would then have its goal be killing this society of people who attacked the town because it, it was made from the hatred and want for revenge of these citizens. And so this society has been, it's probably been hundreds of years since they actually destroyed this other civilization. So anybody living at that time had nothing to do with it. Nothing at all. They're completely innocent in it. And it's going to be this, this way of making this, later on higher level monster which is probably i don't know how much of a story arc i'm actually going to give it it might just be like not even a random encounter but like a like there's not going to be a lot of like research and studying it's going to be there's a giant monster please stop it yeah i mean that's that's partially part of zendar as well zendar mm -hmm. isn't um in my campaign he's not like I mean, he's important, but he you could completely ignore him and he would be stuck there forever. <laughs> you know, yeah. like he's not an important, vital essence to, you know, anything unless you guys go to where, you know, go to where he is and un release him, yeah. um, which you don't know what he'll do if you release him, but or where he'll go. But um, mm -hmm. it's very similar. It And I like so part of the DM perspective when I was making zendar is that i didn't want a creature that was like felt like the big bad evil guy you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. he felt like a minion yeah like he feels like something that's you know powerful and creepy and you know has the capabilities of you know causing immense harm like he has within this dwarven citadel um but i wanted him to just be like a side, <laughs> side like he doesn't thing, feel like you know he doesn't feel like he's doing it for himself. No. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, so that's that's one of the things that's really interesting about 
I mean, that, that, that was cool about him was that it didn't feel like, like, even, like you, I mean, you guys, the people listening to this podcast are not hearing what we talked about or did during the session. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> sorry, I just had a cough there. Um, yeah, yeah, me too. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but the the way that we went about it when we first met him is we clearly could tell like this was like he was a creature made to do this. Like he wasn't doing this on his own. We tried to turn him yeah, to our guys, side because yeah, you, you guys did, ended up you successfully first... did that era and you successfully right. made it clear that this was not the big bad evil guy. This is. This guy might be malicious and might be really powerful, but he is not the driving force behind any of this. Right. And it turned into a really cool moment because Azrael was able to like use his like mind and the the new the new like title of Cinder King to like make him like control his will and make him kind of like, you know, tell you guys important information, which was really, really cool and interesting and really fun and like command mm-hmm. him to release some of these dwarves that he had under his command, Um, which is it was it was a really fun and cool moment. <laughs> and uh yeah, and then, you know, at the end of it, I mean, it could turn into a fight. It might not. It seemed like it might be. <laughs> um, But yeah, he was very intent on you guys leaving his domain now because you guys mm-hmm. had kind of like. I don't know, ruined his his little den of comfort, you know, his little. um, Yeah, showed that he yeah, isn't as powerful here gorgeous. as he thought he was. Right. Yeah. Um, so it and, and it ties and, you know, it, it's I was talking to um, Jonah afterwards, too, and how it like ties in a little bit with his backstory, because he was like, wait, like, you know, like the stuff he said was like, you know, kind of relating to a little bit of my backstory, which was really fun and interesting too, just to like throw in a little bit of ties to a character backstory with this like random little side monster who's, you know, Mm -hmm. one of my favorite creatures that I've made. I think he's really, really fun. Um, Especially because like you're introduced to him like in a, in a combat that was, so for those listening, they were introduced to this creature before they even entered into the Citadel because their combat with the Cinder King, this creature was influencing. So he was expanding out darkness. He was like shooting out these like tendrils of darkness that would like attack people and hurt people, which that combat was really close to being a disaster. Oh, it was so close Um, to a TPK, my man. It was, but I do also say, (laughs) I think this is really interesting what we're talking about, but I think I have to cut it off here. Yeah. It's going to be running long. It's going to be a whole episode. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> for sure for sure but yeah it's it, the the main thing i wanted to talk about in this lukewarm open and say was it doesn't like you can you can be inspired and create things off of other D games yeah like absolutely it, it's not it's not theft or any like it, there's not a problem no. with it it's not you're not any less for taking from another D game just because it's already built into a D&D world doesn't mean that you can't use it in unique ways or change it or or just right. like a little bit of it and twist it and like, oh, let's try this. Yeah. And, you know, it's also like, you know, as a DM, it's also like I like it when people are like, oh, man, like I like this monster that I want to take it and put it in my world, you know, mm-hmm. or at least like. Yeah, it's a compliment it more than anything own. else. Yeah. But also <laughs> yeah, like, oh, I mean, that's so cool. Like it it accomplished what I was trying to set out and happen within the session, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. And it, as you heard, like is, his, what his, uh, his accomplishment, like the thing that he was going for is very opposite to the thing I'm going for with my version of the creature. Right. No, totally, totally. And yeah. you know, and this lukewarm open has been a little bit vague just cause I'm trying to not like spoil everything yeah. <laughs> for, you know, a lot of different reasons, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it just makes me happy that it accomplished what mm-hmm. I wanted it to accomplish. Yeah. Well, I'm going to jump into our, my topic now. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, this week we're still developing... We're de- we're talking about the time between prehistory and our where the world is currently like how do we how do we get there is what we're what we're developing for our season 4 world. So, I wanted to develop nations in a more guided way than last week. Last week, we created the asteroid that crashed, breaking the continent, 
and bringing magic into our world for season four. But we didn't talk about any specifics. So this week I want to create national development through technology. Oh gosh, okay. Some support of major power, whether technological or magical, will influence over the creation this week. So what I'm thinking, like the ideas I had were somebody gets super powerful based on a tech or a magic. And because of that, they are able to take over more land, thus bringing in other cultures into their society, whether they try to trample over those cultures and be like, no, 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 you're going to be us now. Or they let it like, they're like the Mongols where they're like, Hey, we're all going to celebrate our cultures inside. And so like, I don't know how any of that, what decision we're going to make on that, but I'm thinking that's how they, that's, that's what our idea is. That's where we start. Sweet. So cool. Yeah. This week I found an interesting magic tool that gave a nation an incredible leg up and caused them to expand over other cultures. It's called a nether scroll or the golden skins of the world serpent. What? The golden skins of the world serpent? Yes. Gross. These scrolls are a set. <laughs> they're scrolls. They're just scrolls. They just had a cool name for them. Made of skin from a world serpent. It's not made of skin from. It's made from metal. <laughs> it was a set of fifty scrolls that contained incredible knowledge of the fundamentals of magic. So these these scrolls are no way magic themselves. They just have so much knowledge about the fundamentals of magic that they're very powerful. Now, these scrolls were made from uh, metals, normally gold or platinum, and they were made flexible like paper. Upon this metal paper floats silvery letters. These scrolls are nearly indestructible. They can be damaged and rewritten, but they will repair themselves over time. Once a page has been comprehended, the next time it, it, it is read it will have completely different details, making each scroll contain insane amounts of knowledge because once you learn one page, pretty much, the next time you look at it, it will be showing you a different page of knowledge. Interesting. Do we know what knowledge is on it? Is it just random? Like, Well, each one has the the thing that they focus on. It's really, like, think of it like each one is a chapter in a book. So they don't all have to like, because it's like a textbook, they don't all have to lead off each other, but it's good to know together. Got it. And does it like have the collective knowledge of like the world or is it just random? Like, is it just some things of knowledge? Like what's the. It's 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 curated knowledge about the fundamentals of magic. Okay, got it. So it could it is. It is written by a person called, uh, well, an organization called Beatith, and their whole thing is studying the primitive forms of magic. And this is like early, 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 which when we were talking about the second sundering that happened when the world was just being like completely changed and crazy for for the uh, fifth edition setting to be perfect for what they wanted... That was in 400 DR. This organization and when they were active and and working and when they were probably making these scrolls, that's somewhere around the negative 34,000 DR. Oh gosh. So it's quite a bit of a time. A long, long time ago. Now, even one look at these scrolls, you could learn just immense, immense things about about how magic works and the potential to grow with just one like reading of it, let alone rereading the scroll and getting all the info that it has on it. You could learn and you could grow insanely. This was yeah, a statement crazy said by the mage drew Holland. One look at the nether scroll and I've learned what a spell is. I've been collecting spells as if everyone was different. That's illusion. Spells are all the same. They're all a path through illusion to truth. One look, and I've seen the fundamentals, truth of magic. Oh, gosh. I these, these scrolls have the potential to be, like, really bad. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, these things are so powerful based on, like, what they, 
what they teach and how they can empower you and your nation. There were huge wars and battles fought over these. Yeah, I can only imagine. <laughs> oh, gosh. These scrolls and the theories proposed in them are so influential to how we think of magic in the Forgotten Realms now. It is said that every spellcaster knows bits and pieces of the knowledge from these scrolls, whether they know that this is their source or not, because it's such fundamental knowledge of how magic works. Wow. Interesting. Huh? That's kind of that's an interesting. um... Yeah. Now, some of you might have guessed this already, but these scrolls affected the world in quite a few ways, more than just by teaching the world the use of magic in a new way. As I said already, there were definitely wars and conflicts over them, but one of the biggest effects that it had was upon the Netherese Society. Now, Aaron, do you remember the Netherese Society? Um, if I said yes, I would probably be slightly lying. I remember the name. <laughs> they were the powerful majocracy that had all those floating cities that during the uh it's called Carsus's folly all of okay, them yeah, like yeah. magic stopped working and all the uh cities began to fall okay yep now i'm now i'm good <laughs> now i'm good so thanks for explaining to to the people who are listening you know and they don't yes, remember yeah i'm I, sure I, you I remembered 100 yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 yep an adventurer known as finder found a scroll he was a netherese adventurer in the room of finder old... like finders keepers yes well so uh, it's really more cool like a nickname it's not like an actual name no totally. it's like that's the nickname really cool they went nickname. by but they were only known as finder yeah it's now, that's sweet that's a really cool nickname i like that it was it, it was found in an old society an old ruined society an old elven old sun elven empire finder was unsure of the scroll and did not use them but the other Netherese studied and learned from them, changing how they thought and used magic. Up until this point, they had previously used elven theories and hypotheses for their magic. But the Nether Scroll showed how inefficient and wasteful those were. And so they switched to the ideas proposed in these Nether Scrolls. And it insanely boosted their magical abilities and really turn them into the majocracy that we know of today. Cause these ideas, they were able to begin to create these super powerful items that the Netherese are now known for like mythalars. You hmm? may have, you may have talked about this already, but do we know how, exactly how they were made? Like, are they just like magical paper? The scrolls? That people, yeah. Like magical paper. They just wrote down stuff on. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, as I said, they're not even they're not magic items. They literally are just scrolls that were written on. Okay. And it just like magically preserves the knowledge. Yeah, so they were originally created in a city called Orem by uh as I said, that group. They sought to gather all magical knowledge from their vast empires into one location. They did this, and while they were doing it, they created the society that is that, as I said earlier, the the Beatith. And it, it reminds hmm? me a little bit of it reminds me a little bit of what's in my world, just in the the ancient city that you guys have been to before and talked with that mm -hmm. um, ghost person. It's just interesting. Yeah, so they've never they heard were... of this before, and it's very similar. So part of the um, ideas of how the forgotten realms worked is early on in its history. There was like, I think there was like four races, four or five races. Some of them have scales. Some of them are, so there was here, I'll, I'll read them out. The Saruk, the reptilian or Saroid creator race. Uh, there was the Batrachi, the amph amphiboid creator race. Uh, there was the, Aseri, the avian creator race, and the fey rulers of the otherworldly realm of the fairy. And then there were humans. So from the Saruk, we got all the reptilian races we know. Hmm, interesting. 
uh, from the Batrachi, we got all the amphibious, so Tritons, uh, Doppelgangers, Kuatoa, Bulwogs, all those. From the Eri, right, we got right. the Aarakocra, Kenku, and other avian races. And from the, the Fae, we got the like Pixies, Sprites, Fae, Satyrs, all, all, the, that, all those guys. Yeah. yeah. And so, in the time that these Nether Scrolls were made, the people that were making them were the Saruk. Like, these were early, 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 like, before the, the, these races had evolved into the ones we know today. But I think this is all we really... I don't think we need to talk about any more of these scrolls. I mean, there's a lot more to talk about when it comes to these scrolls and their history and whatnot. Like scrolls of infinite knowledge. (laughs) Pretty much. They're scrolls of insane amounts of knowledge about magic and how it works. And just knowing it increases your power immensely. So what my ideas for our... What we developed this week is we look at the races in the societies that we've already created for season four the prehistoric ones and we decide who gets a crazy magic boost and based on that how did them becoming super powerful disrupt the area around them the other races that are near them and and to be 100 percent clear we were doing this like before the place exploded right that's what, that's kind of the idea no this is after after because okay, because so, magic is a thing got it got it so these races are in the world is like scattered and broken up by this asteroid right that yeah. blew up the creation i don't know it's like creation node i guess <laughs> like yeah, uh, the creation energy it kind of energy broke it and shattered it across the world and that creation energy is now a veil over the world that can be pulled from to cast magic right and so what happened to the races during this time? Did they just like? Did they, I mean, obviously they had to scatter, right? Like we, mm-hmm. the world broke apart into different pieces into different. I think it's really know. hard to talk about that without having a visual of what did our map look like before? How does it crack and look now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I. So guess, I was just but... gonna. I was just gonna avoid that for now and just kind of as we talk about it, be like, okay, so then these two races came together. Or so oh so then based on what you're saying that means that there had to be some of these and this. No okay yeah no I mean I I'm I'm fine with that it's just it's nice to have a little bit of like historical context it to is. create this so that we know like who it's impacting and where it's you know. Well I think place. it's impacting everybody and it's impacting them a lot, um, especially not just the fact that the world cracked, but suddenly. Like sorcerers are are having those like explosive oh crap I'm a sorcerer moments, but nobody knows okay. what that is. You just you <laughs> you just said sorcerers are having that explosive oh crap. <laughs> I just I don't know why I lost it. I just can't. <laughs> oh man, I'm wow, five, Aaron. I swear. Yeah, you're. I'm a five year old. It just made me lose it. Anyways, say that again, because I was not. I was I was in five-year-old land. <laughs> but so because magic is suddenly a thing, all of those um, all of those uh, ways of getting magic that do not require study that like, oh, I just I just like a sorcerer who just has it or a cleric who gets it from a god or a paladin who gets it from a god or a warlock. Those things would just start happening. Right. And people would have no context for it. So the world is in kind of chaos right now, for sure. So I oh, think sure. in this chaos, maybe we even just straight up take Nether Scrolls from the Forgotten Realms and just put them in our world. Because somebody finding a document that just describes how magic works would be insanely helpful, especially in a world that's just suddenly getting it. And maybe it's even like, it, maybe we could even steal from like the Elder Scrolls, where like the Elder Scrolls are so powerful to read that you kind of like go blind when you read them. Okay, I, I, I definitely agree that I want something that like gives people like a knowledge and an understanding, because I think that's 
kind of important and crucial that happens in this moment mm. where like people are, you know, experiencing all these magical, you know, powers and prowess, you know, with no context whatsoever besides that their world has just been completely shattered, which would yeah. be incredibly Ooh, um Sorry, I do have a question real quick. Yeah, yeah. Do you think because now that the energy has dissipated in our world, I will say for people who weren't haven't listened to previous episodes, um one of the things we made is this energy that we just said ex- exploded and kind of spread magic throughout the world. How it worked before is if enough people believed something would be the case. So that would happen. And that's how gods were created originally. At that point, there was no magic. So do you think that either while when it exploded, a god of magic was created or is there no god of magic? Well, my my initial thought because i was thinking that if if you want knowledge of magic to be a thing maybe it could somehow be related to this new god of magic well that was actually kind of where i was going was like some sort of like sentient being that has this knowledge but then at the same time you know if we're thinking about a sentient being that a group has control over or like can talk to I mean, obviously, it would give them a huge advantage, which is what we're looking for, right? Mm-hmm. So the question is, is do I want a, like, being of magic, like a creature that was created that um has all this, in, like, innate knowledge of magic, which could be really interesting for, like, a society to find this, like, innate... Mm-hmm creature that knows and i think it's almost like infantile in its in its understanding of how the world works well that was my thought yeah and and so i think what i think what is going to happen because i don't think i don't think they still have this um benefit over everybody else i think it causes so much problems with just that those people becoming like almost abusive with their power over other people that this thing is like this sucks like you shouldn't do this this is bad um and so where where society is now this thing has become a lot more quiet and silent and doesn't talk and doesn't like engage or help people with magic anymore purely because every time it has it has not gone well which i i love that idea and i also was thinking about taking it even a step further like, mm-hmm. what if, like, we play around with the idea of asteroid hits, c- destroys this creation energy, which then its final act of creation creates, like, magic. And um, with that, like, swirl and creation of magic, it creates, like, some sort of arcane being that, you know, can have the capacity and the capability to understand it at, like, a very basic and fundamental level because it is magic, right? Mm-hmm. Now, do you um, see this as a humanoid or do you see this as like a creepy, like, like maybe even like a cephalopod? I don't know. I like I like both. There's a part of me that wants like, like if I'm just going to use a race an example, like let's say elves found this creature and I'm not sold on elves. So just using it as an example. But let's say elves elves found this creature and ended up like raising it. So like their society ended up like, like being its parents you know like it's sorry i know exactly what this creature is okay yeah there was an anime that came out (laughs) semi-recently yes (laughs) (laughs) watashi no (laughs) hey don't make fun of my terrible 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 pronunciation of japanese (laughs) oh man I can't pronounce any of it. You know it. Um, Kill, yeah, I know it. It kills me every time. <laughs> oh, man. I am... I don't know exactly what it's called. I don't know how I can look up anime by what season it came out. Um, what's, what's what's the... con? What, like, what is it? What's the concept of it? What does it do? So, the concept is that so it's you're following this weird alien creature that doesn't understand and slowly is learning as it's going along. So what, what the story of it first is literally it gets, it comes to this planet from way on high. (laughs) I don't know why that made me laugh (laughs) from way on high. (laughs) 
and it appears next to a rock. So it doesn't know what it's doing, so it just kind of shapeshifts into a rock. And it sits there for who knows how long. And it's in the Arctic, so there's all the snow around. Eventually, this wolf that has been like attacked, that has been damaged, dies near it, and it takes on the appearance of the wolf, and then kind of figures out how to move slowly. But it like it copied the wolf when it was damaged, so it's like limping and it's in pain, and it doesn't know why. It doesn't know what that means exactly. But he he wanders, and eventually he finds a this kid who is living alone in this in this this town where everybody else has left because they all tried to get out of this tundra because they just were running out of food and running out of stuff but he stayed behind to care for the older citizens that couldn't leave now all the older citizens had died at this point and he was just there alone so when eventually this kid dies and this creature then takes on the appearance of this of this kid and he begins continues exploring and he's just slowly learning so if it's like this if it's this a similar like creature it could because as you said it was raised by the elves it could at that time have taken on the appearance of an elf yeah no i i i like i like this idea um and i think like i it'd be really fun to play around with the idea of like this arcane being, you know, and really early in history after the, you know, destruction, the, you know, the shattering or whatever we want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, like a, a temple or like a monastery, like a monk monastery is formed around it after a while because they start realizing, you know, it, it knows so much about the world after it has time to like take it in. And they form some sort of like, you know, I mean, I think that would only be natural for Mm -hmm. people to form some sort of organization around it, you know, Um, and it would give a society a tremendous advantage because they start immediately learning how to harness and control their magic. So maybe this society is like the first society who's able to harness and control it and figure out how magic works, because when you first, you know, when this first magical energy is created, Nobody knows what the heck they're doing, you know, like all of a sudden people are shooting fireballs, you know, <laughs> like I mean, mm-hmm. obviously not that that intense yet. But, you know, like people don't know how this works. You know, if you think about it logically, like people would just be like, wow, why? Why can I all of a sudden produce a flame in my hand? And how the heck do I just produce a flame in my hand? You know, it'd be yeah. like, do I have to get angry before I can do it? Do I have to, you know, like what 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 causes this to happen? So I think like the society that finds this like eventually becomes into this like magical, at least at the beginning, a magical powerhouse, which could be really interesting. And my thought would be that the halfling nomads, because they're very nomadic in nature and their society wasn't built on like a single, you know, an area because they kind of mm-hmm. roam. Um, they end up like rescuing. I don't, I don't know what the proper word would be, but they end up like creating this like pretty big society of tons of races because everybody's displaced right tons of things happen where people are displaced and are trying to escape you know the various cataclysms that have occurred because of the shattering and they end up like forming a pretty decent sized group of nomads of all different races dwarves humans halflings you know elves and they find this creature and they raise it like it's a refugee like it's their own right and initially Mm. they don't like fully understand what it is and they treat it just as if it was, you know, a, a wandering nomad like themselves until they start realizing the power behind it. And then they settle, the groups of nomads finally settle after discovering what this is. Like maybe they even split into two different groups and one group ends up forming this civilization um, around the concept of controlling magic. Um and so they form this like great civilization of magic and understanding of magic, which could be, I think would be really fun. Thoughts? I like it. I like the idea my of TED talk? the... Thanks for coming <laughs> to my TED talk, by the way. <laughs> I like the idea of, of the displacement bringing all these races together for... I, I like that. And my other thought would be too, like what if... So magic has to... The knowledge of magic kind of has to spread. And, you know, obviously eventually through study and stuff, you know, humanoids can figure out what magic is and how it works. But it could be interesting if there was like some sort of dividing factor between these nomads 
and like they split into like you know 60 40 or whatever and 60 percent settled and came became this great civilization while the others kept wandering and was spreading the news of magic like spreading the the knowledge of magic which could be interesting as well if we wanted to do something like that and they became they like became known and are famous and maybe even they still partially exist today of like these wandering nomads who are okay hold on very very so i like this i like this but what if what it is today is all wizarding or or magic colleges are almost nomadic so the wizarding colleges aren't stuck to a stationary place because of this history, because the history of it is this group who continued to travel and spread the news of magic. I think that could be really cool. And I think so it'd now be really fun if like it's a bunch of wizarding schools that like fly that are they're like they're they literally just travel from place to place. And maybe when there's not one there, maybe each like major city has a plot of land for a wizarding college to sit when they visit. Yeah. Well, and I think it could be interesting too, like depending on like, you know, maybe there's ma- major, you know, differences in different ma- mages colleges, but I think mm-hmm. it could be interesting, like depending on the mages college over the years, they've developed different magical means of trans- transportation. So you have like, you know, maybe like the different school, like the evocation school, like, you know, they ride upon some sort of like, you know, just some sort of destruction beast of some kind, you know, like it could be interesting. Like if, You'd have to think about it, but like if you could like dedicate a school to each individual, like yeah, because maybe because instead of having to have one school that has everything, they are able to specialize more because they travel around, so kids don't have to settle for the nearby school because these school the school is going to come to you for the type you want. I think it'd be and really interesting, I'm, and I think it'd be really fun, too, if we wanted, and you could easily take your world destruction, if we wanted to do a little bit more steampunky, we could even do, like, um, a group from the college became, like, artificers, and they now travel around on, like, a, like a, you know, like a moving, like a Howl's Moving Castle type thing that, like, mm-hmm. you know, is made of, like, metal and steampunk legs, and it can, like, walk around. That could also be really fun, too, if we wanted to dive further into, like, a steampunky narrative, too, later on, mm-hmm. if you wanted, but. That's also, you know, later further down the road. Down road. But, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I think having so currently like, what which group of the ones we've created discovered this magic stuff first? Discovered Who, the ability to use magic or discovered this creature? Discovered this creature. Then what has this creature done since? And what other races I, joined for this city? Yeah, my initial thought was halflings discovered it first because they're originally nomadic. So they've they travel a lot already. Mm-hmm. And so it was just natural for them to stumble upon it first. Like they have the highest percent chance of finding it first because they're already moving. You know, their society is entirely based off of, you know, being nomadic. And so that's why so many groups after the shattering flock to the halflings as uh like refugees and that's kind of how some of the scattering begins to occur of the races is they all Mm -hmm. kind of join in these nomadic caravans and displace and my thought was was you know that it's they find it and discover its capabilities and it causes a portion of them to want to be stable like to want want to like exist somewhere and they end up forming Mm -hmm. a civilization of all sorts of different races like a pretty like a big majocracy of you know, humans, elves, halflings, and this creature like begins to impart its knowledge. Um, so it, it, it in of itself knows about arcane magic, but like, that's all it knew when it first was, you know, like conceived, I guess. And, um, over time it starts learning characteristics of humanity and it learns things like knowledge, the importance of knowledge and creativity and, um, expressing those things and so it i think it would be i think it would be like the importance of wisdom like it has knowledge it's very knowledgeable but it learns yeah no for sure being in this world and experience wisdom for, no definitely no and i and i and i the reason i was just it starts to learn about like human what is important to humanity and mm-hmm. starts to um take on some of those concepts as well so like you know it's 
it's already very knowledgeable at the beginning, but it doesn't have the idea that preserving and sharing knowledge is important. And so it learns that from society and starts to share and, you know, communicate with society about what magic is. Um, so I think like initially what I want it to be is like a, like a, like a baby, I guess, you know, like a, a child that yeah. while already is, has incredible amounts of knowledge, this child, but it doesn't know anything beyond its, you know, innate knowledge of magic. And so it just okay. slowly starts to learn through society. I have two ideas about what this creature is. One, it's either my, one of my favorite D&D monsters of all time, a Nothic. Or two, it's like just like a humanoid shape, but it is like glowing. So it's just some sort of like no features, just a humanoid shape that glows. Well, yeah. And I, well, I liked the idea of kind of the anime you were talking about a little bit. Like it. Oh, like takes taking on, on the, the forms. Form of, so maybe. Yeah, it will, like, so what if it's still the humanoid? Like like what I was saying. That just grows, right. but it but it's outwardly shape changes. Well, and yeah, well, so my thought was is over time, it starts turning into like some grand majestic because it just starts like taking on the characteristics of oh, like it tons gets of better and better. So it starts yeah. as this kind of amorphic glow, and then it kind of gets yeah closer and like closer it becomes, and closer to gains yeah. flesh, gains color, gains. Mm-hmm. Everyone, well, my oh, thought I was, like that. I like that a lot. And yeah, and my thought was because it's like creation energy, it like becomes the perfect example of what magic and creation energy can create, right? Through human ingenuity. So we originally had humans thought of and created the gods. So they had this potential creation energy because of, you know, this uh the creation energy that exists in the world they created these like perfect beings through belief and this is like this this creature is like a a lesser version of it if that makes sense it's like it incarnated so it's like it destroyed the creation energy it had and scattered it across the world to create magic but it's like there's part of it that still exists within this creature and so it becomes like the perfect idea of what whatever society it's in wants it to be. And so it becomes like this godlike figure, which could be really interesting if, you know, so that's something you Oh, like. no, I definitely see it as a god. I see it as, I see it eventually as like actually ascending. And maybe there's, maybe it's yeah. even like a problem. Maybe it becomes like some sort of cataclysm as this thing ascends into godhoods while all the gods are like, no, 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 no. And maybe there's like a right. war or something, but that's, that's yeah. for another time. But I, I like the idea of, this thing possibly at one point becoming a god and it will become a god after having experienced life on this planet in a way that the gods never have and so it's the only one that like actually has like a understanding a compassion and a um like it it gets being human yeah no and i think there'd be a really fun i mean even down the line fun thing to play with like almost like a skyrim talos thing where it's like you know, the major churches of whatever these gods are don't want this to be worshipped because it's not really a true god type thing. Could be really fun to play with as well. Um, yeah, very much so. And I think it, it leads up perfectly to how magic, knowledge of magic spread across the world and then how like one civilization gained so much power so quickly with the understanding of magic, you know? Um, yeah. And maybe that's even like that nation is still like the biggest nation because it developed so much and so thoroughly while it was it, it had that leg up. Well, my thought my thought is and this is again up to our interpretation if we want this, but it could be interesting if like an entire continent was ruled over by these people still because they oh, had such a, a, a such a big commanding lead that it created yeah, it but uh, would you be okay with like on the fringes there being like have broken off nations that rebelled or areas that rebelled sure oh totally yeah no absolutely but so i like still the like idea giant of, and really big but yeah but not like the biggest. they also like the, because the world shattered they only were able to spread to their you know individual landmass. so there's already other continents with tons and tons of nations and stuff on them but this single continent because of their early head start they have you know become a powerful empire yeah they unified <laughs> their nation the quickly yes 
right? Under the concepts of this magical being. And it could be cool too. You could do the whole religious theme too with other continents believing in the other gods while this this continent believes in their like magical, you know, their magical yeah. entity that is now at the head of their nation or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't Which see really the fun. I don't see the creature as leading the nation. I don't either. I don't either. But the concepts that this creature oh, okay. produces. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't see this creature as like a leader. Maybe like a leader of a monastery or something, but not like, you know, like not like a emperor or anything weird like that. Mm-hmm. If it even is still around on the continent, but yeah. that's for another <laughs> that's for another discussion too, but for sure, yeah, yeah. Like the I think that could be really really fun and interesting. And it started out as a literal like baby, you know, literal child. Now, how do you think since we're developing this nation, um, how do we how do we think that with hot with with the abilities of a lot a lot of magic power, how did they keep such a large country like happy? Like how did they how did they how did they not break apart more? How did they unify so well? I think I think there's a couple of things. I think especially later down the line when they start forming the empire more. Mm-hmm. I think this like being because it understands being human, it like it the concepts it provides like I, I can't I can't think of the word it like transcends um like human behavior and understanding. So like it forms a society based off of the perfect ideal of what a you know humanity could be. And so like it helps keep the nation founded under one principle of magic and arcane discovery and knowledge and um, growth. And, you know, like, because this being would be such a huge influence, I'd imagine, that um, it really would implement these ideas onto a society. And the society would adapt, would be united underneath these ideas. Yeah. Um, So I think that would probably be the main, you know, people are united under ideas all the time so i think that'd probably be the main thing um mm-hmm. and then i mean you also know also a little bit of, go- of uh things that are always important for keeping a nation happy are like nationalism like really playing up oh, that yeah. we are one we are together and i think having the kind of religion be a major component of worshiping this creature that also would help as long as people yeah. are will uh, like the the religion shows itself as good and correct and like, and like wants to help the people as long as it's showing that people oftentimes will follow, even if they're not, even if the the religion isn't actually doing that. No, right. Exactly. Ancient Catholicism. Yeah. Yeah. Shots fired. (laughs) It's not like they Um, did a lot of bad things during the Renaissance and such. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. No, none at all. Galileo. What? No. (laughs) Yeah. No, but I think and I think that's a a really a fun, interesting idea. And, you know, now that, you know, fast forward thousands and thousands and thousands of years or whatever to current day this nation still exists with the same principles of you know arcane discovery and knowledge and using that knowledge to help your fellow member of your society yeah yeah kind of a camaraderie being built up of yeah of we're all in this together hey the world got crazy let's try and unite instead of divide or like let's be all for each other and not yeah 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 and then using the concepts of magic to achieve those goals well and then you know i think this is pretty cool i like what we created right now me too i am really tired so i'm cutting us off a little probably early but let's do it let's do it i don't think it's i think i think we've talked pretty consecutively there's not a huge lot of gap so it's not gonna shrink in much um with how much we cut out um but thank you all for listening to episode 73 of Dungeoneered. Ooh. 23. Two away. Heck, wait, two away from 75? Yeah. It's just a nice milestone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, what's what's going on at 75? Nah, there's no, nothing really <laughs> happening. I just like that as a nice round number. Nice, nice. Uh, feels like a milestone. I mean, um, it's not the nicest number, but it's still a nice number. But it's also <laughs> not continue. the loneliest number. 
true. It's true. It's true. Because seven, eight, nine, you know? Oh, Lee. Well, sorry, everyone, for that horribleness, whatever that was. If you listen to us on any podcasting apps with ratings and reviews, please write a review. Let us know what you think about the show. It really helps the show by showing you're engaging in more ways than one. Um, If you want to write to us, give us ideas for topics, lukewarm opens, or even just tell us how you means like anything that you liked that we created or something you created and you really liked and you wanted to share with us. We'd love to hear all of it. Um, You can write to us at dungeoneered at hotmail.com. Anything else to add, Aaron? No, sir. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Well, as I always say, Always remember to be the sharpest barrel in the bunch. See you next time. Bye.